When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Shares for Beginners. G'day and welcome to Shares for Beginners podcast. My name is not Phil Muscatello. It's Jody Pedersen, but Phil is in- interviewing me today. And what are you going to talk about, Phil? Um, I'm not sure. We haven't even got an agenda. This is a, a, it's kind of a holiday episode. The holiday special. Yeah. So this is the first episode of 2023. So we're going to be reviewing a bit of what's happened last year and what it's like to be on holidays and just considering the festive season and, you know, what we've been both experienced in the financial markets over the last year. Okay, so Jody Pedersen is a very old friend of the podcast. A very young old friend of the podcast, <laughs> one of the first supporters of the podcast. And um, she was with eInvest, and eInvest doesn't exist anymore. So no, it doesn't. What's happened there? What was eInvest just to start with? So? Absolutely. So eInvest um, was an active ETF distributor owned by the Perennial Group was their parent. And so basically what they decided, the Perennial Group decided to merge eInvest back underneath the Perennial banner. So all the old eInvest ETFs that we've discussed previously on the podcast, like IMPQ and eCore and all those other ones, um, they all still exist and they're still active on the exchange. Um, it's just that p- the parent of eInvest, Perennial uh, Partners, they're the ones distributing it now. So mm-hmm. um, it meant that I am no longer working at the moment because I'm about to go on a big adventure. Yeah, tell us about the adventure. You're going to live in, I'm so jealous, live in Italy. <laughs> I'm going to go live in Italy. Which Milan. <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the the, the the merging of eInvest back into the perennial business actually worked out fairly well for me in terms of timing because, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Italy. My husband um, is actually starting a fund over there. And so... And, uh, yeah, I think it's always good for investors to understand, you know, the bigger picture and what's going all around, going on all around the world. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of other investment kind of funds and products that only institutional investors really invest into. Um, and instit- what I mean by institutional investors are, you know, the large sovereign wealth funds, the large superannuation funds here in Australia, the large pension funds overseas. You know, they have really, you know, their tickets, what we call ticket size or the amount that they invest is much larger than, mm. of course, you know, people like you and I, and they have, you know, different needs. And so there is, um, yeah, a whole bunch of kind of products out there and, and, and funds out there that just only cater to these types of investors. And um, But it, it's what's really cool is that it means that, you know, you may not know that you're in, as a, as if you've got a, a your retirement, your superannuation fund with, say, Sun Super or Australian Super or whoever, mm. you may not know exactly what they've been invested in, but they they are often invested in things like large renewable energy funds, large infrastructure funds. They often talk about their infrastructure projects where, um, you know, uh, they're buying into large, you know, say, for example, airports and other infrastructure projects. Usually that's in the form of a fund. Some, and they're obviously attractive investors for institutional investors, but it's kind of more difficult for in, individual investors to get in there. 
I was um, having lunch yesterday with a, a, some old friends from school, and one of them is uh, quite a, um, a big mover and shaker in financial services. And uh, and we were just having a chat, you know, and I, I was sort of saying, because, again, they're dealing in these very large institutional-sized pots of money, mm. which is, you know, it's okay, it's where our super's invested in. But And I, I sort of said to him, well, what about ETFs? Are they making – because he's – dealing all in managed funds sure and uh, you know i said what about etfs and he just scoffed (laughs) because you just don't because we all talk about etfs as retail investors but the vast majority of investment is really still in these quite expensive possibly managed funds well okay they might look expensive from the retail price if you look but often the institutional investor will negotiate the price of what they pay so they will because they're investing such large amounts of money they can get it usually pretty good discounts. Mm. So um, in terms of cost, they'd probably be cheaper than ETFs um, on a you know on a percentage basis because they've got that economy. Those big funds have those economies of scale to really negotiate good pricing. And yeah, in terms of ETFs for larger institutional investors, there's just, you know, there's no, not point. As, there's, there's no point. No, no yeah. there's, there's better ways for them to do it and more safe ways, more direct ways where they have kind of more oversight, more control. And, you know, they can negotiate fees. You can't negotiate a fee for ET- you're an ETF, right? <laughs> They're low um, enough already. <laughs> they are low enough. Well, you hope so. But, um, you know, it's it's that kind of world. It's things that are usually a little bit more bespoke and a little bit. And, yeah, it's it's a little bit more, uh, more complicated. But so that's they don't really do ETFs much. But I have heard of some super funds using them for tactical reasons. So maybe just really short term, like, if they want to get exposure really short term to a currency or to a specific asset class, or even if they just want a short term exposure while they're changing their strategy. So if they're in the in the process of changing their strategy and they just need, you know, exposure to a specific area of the market just for a little bit of time, then maybe it would make sense. And so I have heard of that occasionally institutional investors using ETS for those reasons, but it's 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 more of a retail investor thing. Mm. What is a managed fund? Well, it's pretty similar to an ETF in the sense that it's a pool of assets um, that one buys units into, um, just like an ETF. But but ETFs are exchange-traded funds, so you buy those units, you transact on and off the exchange um, using your, you know, usually your online broker or other broker. Whereas a managed fund... um, It is not exchange traded. So to buy and sell the units, you have to deal with the administrator and custodian, which is more paperwork essentially. So it's just a different way of accessing a pool of funds of which you own units or, you know, portions too. So, and that pool of funds, just like an ETF, those managed funds will have their, you know, their own investment guidelines, their own investment goals, their own restrictions on what type of asset class they're targeting or what type of, you know, what what type of approach that they're taking so um that will all be defined for the managed fund so you know like what you're investing in essentially yeah and so if you go to a financial advisor often they'll put you into a basket of managed funds yeah. won't they yeah, yeah yeah and you know in terms of exposure to the underlying you know in, in terms of like exposure to the markets you're still going to get the same thing mm. it's just accessing it slightly differently and um you know i generally for, as a retail investor i prefer etfs because i really like being able to just buy and sell on the exchange i love that that ease of transaction um but for, you know institutional investors they it's it's not so ease of transaction is not really their main priority mm. they're probably more worried about risk 
fees, control, transparency, so they can get that usually better through a managed fund. Yeah. So in 2022, I did my RG146 course. And you've you've done an RG146 course. Yes. So um, I actually know a lot more about markets and the financial, the Australian financial system <laughs> than, <laughs> than I've ever thought that I would um, have to know about. Um, uh, what I found interesting about it, though, is first of all, the first point is it seems to me I've always felt that there was this code that people in the finance industry spoke in. But now I realise it's not a code. It's the language that we were taught in the RG146 course. Um, and it's all based on the regulations of the Corporations Act. And so all of this terminology, and I hear people speaking that I'm interviewing, and they use a term, and I just don't realise how solid that term is based on um, based on the regulations. And the second point is, I actually feel a lot more confidence in the financial system because I realise how structured it is. I mean, it can be limiting as well, I think, because there's a lot of people who are not getting a lot of financial advice. Anyway, that's not a question. That's just a comment. But absolutely. Let's like, hear your I point think, of view. Yeah, the more you research into it, the more you realize how, and as someone who's worked in the industry for a long time, I see behind the scenes, I know what goes into launching an ETF. I know how much work is involved. I know how much legal advice you need to make sure you're following these laws. I know how complicated they are from an operations perspective. I understand, you know, and now you have a probably have a better idea as well from like marketing rules, like what you can say and what you can't say. Mm. Um and what the penalties are if you if you don't um follow the rules, they can be quite severe. So um as someone who's yeah, the more it's it's interesting. I, I I'm actually really glad that you got that impression from it because I think it can okay I, I used to do ballet when I was a child growing up and like what I love about ballet is it's so technically complex but you're there just to make it look effortless that's part of your job you've got to smile through it and part of the procedure is to make it look effortless to make it look precise and perfect and I guess like financial services is similar in a way because there's all these cogs and and work going on behind the scenes but then it's our job to make it seem effortless to make it easier for investors to get involved to make it seem simple um when it's not Mm. (laughs) and um but and so maybe we've done too good a job if people think it's just too simple too easy i don't think we're there yet Mm. um but um i do yeah i'm actually really glad that you came away from that with that impression that is actually a lot more complicated than what it sounds because um yeah it's it's it is more complicated than what it looks yeah. on the outside. But I have a question for you, Phil, about your RG146. Um, yeah. What was the thing that surprised you the most about it? Well, let me start off talking about <laughs> the um, doing the wrong course, because I did the wrong RG146 and then did the correct RG146. And the, the wrong one that I did was basically the, um, the credentials you would need to work as a bank teller or at an insurance company call centre. And I just... What was interesting is actually having done that, even though I wasn't, I didn't even need to do it. But now, when I go to a bank, which is not very often anymore, or you're talking to someone from an insurance company, which I had to do recently because our car got written off, (laughs) (laughs) and um, just to find out about how structured the interactions are between customers and representatives of a bank financial services group or um, an insurance company are, and. 
they're really, really constrained in what they can say and what they can not do. But also that you have to be pro- those people have to be proactive in dealing with you. Uh, it's like when if you go to the bank and someone it sounds like someone's upselling something to you, but that's they're not actually upselling. They're actually required to try and make sure that you got getting the best product from that institution. So that was that was interesting and surprising. There was also having going, gone through the write-off stage and now knowing about a bit more about insurance, because you know if you have a car written off, you feel guilty. You think, oh, is the insurance going to company going to think that's my fault or are they? Which they do, of course, if you're writing, got a car written off, you know, mm. a car caught fire sure. in a car park. <laughs> sure. But you realise that insurance companies actually have people called actuaries who are looking at risk. And you're just one little tiny risk that hasn't paid off for them amongst a whole range of them. Absolutely. And once, they, once they've assured themselves that you're... Um, you know, you're not trying to scam them or you, you lit the the fire yourself. <laughs> it went really smoothly. So I think that was surprising uh, in a way to find, not so much surprising, but illuminating. Because mm, mm. I think it is true. Like it can, like as someone who's worked in this industry for a long time, you've got to do disclaimers. Like, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. We, we have to talk about that. And it can kind of sound like I'm not a financial advisor, junior in research, um, you know, I don't know your circumstances. Always seek advice, read the PDS, uh, all that stuff. It sounds, you sound like a robot, but as someone who's, you know, you must do that too when you have to do Mm. disclaimers of this podcast. But it is all actually there for a real reason. And the penalties for not doing it are high. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's it's our challenge. And that's actually what I really love about this work is it's my challenge to make sure that all that is definitely done and done well, but also trying to maintain this feeling of um, that finance is accessible and understandable. It might make it a smooth a smooth interaction or make it a hopefully a positive interaction too. Mm. And I guess that's also what you do too, in a way, in this podcast. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next point, is that uh, coming away from it, you'd also realise the constraints of people finding out information about finance that's not conflicted. And um, uh, you try and do a podcast about this, but you've got to actually be very careful because you are actually operating under these rules, which is why I had to do this finance education. Yeah. I think it's actually really good that, um, you know, that it had to, the education had to be done, even though I know like it would have been a, quite a pain for you to do this year like and mm. <laughs> like it's probably it, it's an it achievement to get it done but i think it is true if we are like more and more people are listening to podcasts youtube channels things like that and if they're not getting the right advice there is actually like potentially yeah well not the right advice but even just the right information because there not is advice there it's is information. a tendency there is a tendency though because of all this regulation um, that there are so many constraints on even just talking about investment and money that um, it becomes very hard. And we're in a situation now, I've just found out that there's going to be something like 13,000 financial advisors for the whole of Australia. 13,000. And, and it used to be about 19 a few years I ago. I think it was about 25 yeah. or something like that. But oh, really? Yeah, the numbers have been steadily dropping yeah. massively because of these increased education 
requirements. requirements. But it's also the costs involved as well. Mm. Like if you go and see a financial advisor, you've got to get a statement of advice, which is going to cost three to $5,000. And you can see the reason for that because they're not actually making too much money out of sure. the statement of advice. It's just what's required by the legislation. And it's really hard for ordinary people to straddle that. I mean, if you haven't got a lot of money, you're not going to be able to afford a financial advisor. No. But on the other hand, you want to try and work out how you can get ahead which you do these days with youtube and podcasts and blogs and Books. instagram yeah. influences and then on the other side of it is if you're talking about crypto there is no legislation sorry yeah, it's end ab- of rave <laughs> oh, i agree entirely like i mean i was i, I downloaded tick one of my things i did for t- this year is i downloaded tiktok for the first time mm-hmm. and i was horrified at all the crypto Pumpers. Pumping and dumping going on there. It has cooled down since crypto markets have have gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually have deleted TikTok, so I'm not on there anymore. So maybe it hasn't cooled down. But I, I was horrified at what I was seeing. Um, and it was... And I, I wonder... I wonder if we'll ever get a really true picture of how much people have lost money mm. in these crypto coins scams because i just i think it's it's like gambling people tend not to talk about their losses mm. they only talk about their wins right mm-hmm. and um because it's such an opaque market i i just think there must be a lot of people out there who've probably lost money and i'm sure there's some people who've made money out of this too mm. um but i do yeah the whole the, the tick the tiktok plus crypto stuff was wild and even property you know it's 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 you're totally allowed to talk about property yeah on social media which is why you see all these channels you know talking about house hacking and uh you know in buying investment properties and flipping and all that kind of stuff it's because there are no there's much less regulations on that even though like the, the amounts of money because of the leverage or the loans you can get the amounts of money that we're talking about it enormous um for an end like you know that's a huge part of most people's uh Mm. personal wealth their house their housing so um yeah yeah and yet somehow here we are we're talking about all the good stuff well that's right well it's uh, you know that's financial products is what you're you're constrained in talking about yeah yeah and fun and i'm feeling so i really feel passionate about there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of money and they you know, they might have a bit of super, but people have all sorts of financial circumstances and can be constrained financially in so many ways. And we're suddenly in this world where there's so many opportunities to there get is. your act together. But unless you can talk about it... <laughs> I agree. and But I think... It, they, but then they'll be fall prey to crypto scammers. Yeah. Look, I think buyer beware. If it sounds... Old age adages do still mm. stand suit. Like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm. Um, you know, if someone's flogging a product really hard at you, you should probably take that as a red flag. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Mm-hmm. 
even things online, like when they talk about retiring early, mm-hmm. um, you know, financial freedom, all these words that are these buzzwords, which sound like, you know, they sound like just everyday words, but I think yeah. that they can be like red flags for um, information. So I think, you know, learning to, I think sometimes boring is best, mm. you know, like mm. just, uh, and learning to kind of be a bit skeptical um, and, choose where you get your information from don't just i think it's really easy with these algorithms on social media just to absorb like you know absorb more and more information and the algorithm on tiktok or instagram just keeps pushing stuff to you if they think that you're interested into it and so you just end up kind of absorbing it without properly sitting back and thinking oh what's the you know what's the bigger picture here who is this person what's the downside what's the downside like who benefits exactly all this stuff so um but I think that that's why, you know, I do think lo- podcasting is a much a, a, like a better format mm. because you can go into more detail. Mm. You can, it's a, it's a more, it's also a little bit more cerebral. Like it's more intimate. So I think you've got more time to think about it. Um, we're, we're right in everyone's ears. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is actually a better format for this type of, these types of conversations. And I think, you know, do your own research I know it's a boring statement and people say it all the time, but it is true. Mm. Um, well, it is. I mean, this is the thing. You have to do your own research. Yeah. And people don't want to take responsibility for that. And I can understand that. You've got better things to do. Um, but you really have to research every decision that you make. So where do you... Like, Like it's interesting. We've, you and I have talked about this before, Phil. Like, Because I have someone who's... You know, I've worked in this industry for some time. Um, I often have friends coming up to me, like say we're at a barbecue or something. Mm. It's really interesting because it's because I think because I'm, I'm a woman, it I do think the interaction is different than with other guys. Like I have people coming up to me going, "Hey Jody, I know that you're you know you, you work in this ETF space, investing space. Can you tell me more about it?" But it's always kind of on the DL. It's always like a whisper, and it's mm. always like they've pulled mm. me aside at a barbecue or something like that. As opposed to, like, I see with my husband and his friends, it's all it's very much, much more in the open. Mm. And they will talk much more openly about finance, about what they're investing in. Uh, I think it's fascinating, that difference of, like, how... It is, isn't it? Like, yeah. why, why yeah. do people come over and whisper to me and pull me aside? Mm. I'm always happy to have those conversations and, like, you know, with my friends. And I'm glad that they ask that, like, they feel comfortable asking me mm in that way asking me at all but why why am i being whispered at what do you think i've talked to other people about this and it's um and it's also to do with uh, and i can't remember if this was a conversation i had with you or with molly from ladies finance club is that they women and you know i've got to i don't think women need to feel that way because women are great and women have got bigger brains than men in most cases and they're much more sensible investors but I think they're just used to that's right now Molly was saying that she was in these financial meetings and conferences and it's always been the men's talking and asking questions mm. and the women sitting quietly by and I'm not sure why that that is in this day and age that women feel that they need to be sitting quietly in these situations when you're talking about money and and I think the best financial people and the best financial advisors will try and bring along both people in a 
couple you know i hope so well and it's it's you know and i think actually when we're talking about the benefit of financial advice that is a really big one is Mm. is is having someone help bring the other half along Mm. and have all the information there so if you explain things in a way that they can understand and if something happens to the more active partner Mm. you know things can happen and then and you see this a lot particularly with older women is that their husband you know passes away for whatever reason or is incapacitated and suddenly they don't have they don't even know like where actually it's, it's the inverse for my dad my parents my, my dad does not know how to get on to online banking <laughs> um, and my mom takes care of all of it but they don't even have access to how to get onto the banking it's that's the reality of it is that um you know often there is one partner in the relationship that has more um, access to these things but I think having a financial advisor who's there to help you if there is something does happen to one partner they can they can really help you in those the moments of crisis and um, I have heard of stories like that and I've even heard of um, I have one friend who works in private wealth which is like financial advisors but for extremely high net worth individuals and one of his main clients is a really experienced investor and so you'd be like well why does this guy have a financial advisor he's he's super experienced he's completely financially literate he's he's made a lot of money he doesn't why would he need a financial advisor but what my friend disclosed is that his real purpose is that this wealthy investor really wanted to make sure that his family was taken care of if anything happened to him Mm, mm. so he was seeking advice not so much investment advice of what how do i make money or how do i you know what where should i put my money it was much more about um, facilitating and making sure his family was okay if there was anything to happen to him. So the making estate, sure the no. estate, yeah, um, tax, legal. tax, all that stuff. Mm. Making sure that if you know if there's one person that takes care of all that mm-hmm. for you, and if you're wealthy enough to have that, um, I think you know that made a lot of sense to me. And so you know the reasons that people go for financial advisors to advance is super varied and even super experienced investors still use them for mm. for more than just investment advice mm. yeah so you know about hopeless musicians that don't um, invest <laughs> i do <laughs> what Bless. plans have you got in place for oh, I don't know, unnamed drummers that uh... <laughs> <laughs> so phil is making an allude allusion to my brother who happens to be a professional musician and um, in a well-known band um and i you know i help him a little bit with with investing because he, you know, he's, this is not his world, and and he's and he's not particularly interested in it. Um, bless his soul, he's kind of just you know off in his own musical world. So I have been you know in the time in the past, I often will gift him ETF units for his birthday or Christmas, and just you know that's a little pot of money that sits to the side if he needs it. And more recently, I'm trying to help him enter the um, housing market for the first time. So. You know, I, I, I like that, you know, he can trust me and enough to say, oh, this is what we're thinking and and that kind of stuff. So um, that's the, all the help that I'm giving at the moment. But it's, it's, you know, it's more just guidance. But, but you can see where there's ordinary people. I mean, you don't have to be a hopeless musician. Not, no. not that he's hopeless. But, he's not. He's a but great there's hopeless musician. But pe- there's yeah. hopeless people uh, yeah. uh, all over the place. They've got no idea about money and they don't have a sister like and you. And they don't have a big sis. Yeah. I know it sucks. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more accessible, and um, but that's why I think the work that you do is so important, Phil. Because mm-hmm. this is completely free to listen to, 
Um, you have people on this podcast from all different institutions. You're not conflicted. You know, mm. you're not you're not being paid to sell one thing or another. Um, you have all different opinions on the the podcast. It allows people to kind of get educated and form their own opinions in and in their own time, in their own way. Like I think. Mm. There's so many people love to listen to podcasts while they're doing other stuff. And I think yeah. that's just, you know. Well, it's, it's great. I so mean, cool. I, I had a guest on and he said a wonderful thing. He said, just listen to the words. And because you're not going to understand everything straight away. But if you can let those words wash over you and you start absorbing things, you just start to understand a bit more about how the world works Absolutely. and how money works. And I mean, it's similar to learning a language. Like as someone mm. who's now trying to learn Italian because mm-hmm. I'm about to move there and I don't speak it. Um, I'll give you some good swear words after oh, we get off here. I haven't learned that. They're not on Duolingo. <laughs> I haven't learned those yet. <laughs> but I am, um, you know, learning language is similar. Like often you have, I've learned other languages in the past too. And you have a conversation with someone and then this word will pop out that you've just never heard of before. Mm. And do you abandon the whole conversation? No. Um, I'll either ask, what, what does that mean? <laughs> mm. yeah. And usually people are, are really kind enough to explain. Or sometimes you just let it roll and just, you know, write it down for later. Um, or and or just kind of try and work it out from the context of the rest of the conversation. Mm. But um, just like learning language, you know, the, the best way to do it is to immerse yourself, right? Um, and even if you don't understand everything, you just keep listening and it gets better and better. Um I remember when I was learning French for the first time, because uh, when, you're, when you're learning it, I was living there, so you kind of immersed and you don't really have a measurement of how, um, how much you've learned, you, you, yeah. your, your progress, because you, mm-hmm. it, it's just around you every day. But then when I was there, I um, went to the, the cinema and I watched the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo film, but in Swedish, the original version in Swedish. So it was Swedish with French subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I followed the whole film. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is, I've, I now really understand. I was like, wow, I've, I've actually made a lot of progress in my, in my learning that language. And it was that moment where just being out, being like that, that was that moment where I realized that I'd learned a lot. And so I wonder if we could, could we do that for finance? That's like, right. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. This yeah. moment where you suddenly like, oh, actually I do know all that the words yeah, yeah. in that PDS. Mm-hmm. Maybe pull out the PDS and give it a read and see yeah. how, how much you understand. <laughs> no matter how dull it is and Oh, boring. my God. PDSs <laughs> are so boring. As someone who's helped write one them before, they're just so boring. But, you know, or maybe it's watching a more like a more sophisticated film or even like reading a book, mm. like, like mm. different books and working out, oh, actually, maybe I have learned a lot more than what I thought mm. i have mm. if you mm. just absorb as absorb through the podcasts and then maybe test yourself yeah yeah and in fact that's another thing coming back to the education the, the rg146 is you realize that there are those words that in the past i would have didn't think that they, they were solid but you know like when i someone says say for example secondary market Yes. I actually know secondary market is a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, I'm not going to talk about that now because it's uh, so dull. That's but, pretty dull. <laughs> you but don't, you pretty don't dull need stuff, to. You don't need to. But these are the kind of things that you hear and you realize it's like you've learned a bit of the language and you understand what it actually means and how the finance industry is structured. Mm, mm. Mm. So before we go, let's talk about some books. You've got some holiday reading. Well, you know, when we talked about going on this podcast, I was like, Phil, what are you going to ask me? 
And, and now we've talked for 36 minutes already and <laughs> with no questions prepared. I love these kind of interviews. I love it. But, I, you know, I have been, because I'm in the process of moving, I've been going through all my stuff because I've got to get rid of everything pretty much. Mm. But I've, I've, I've been going through my, my library and I actually, you know, I actually have a number of books that are related to finance that are really good kind of summer reads. Mm. So, and, and when I was at E-Invest, I used to always do a post, this a blog post at this time of year where I'd ask all my portfolio managers, what's your, what are you reading this summer? And um, I would share that, share those around. And that always did really well. So I figured I'd, I'd bring my own of like some books um, that are, I can recommend that are finance related, but are also like, kind of interesting mm-hmm. as well yeah so um, and they're I, not the they're not the usual uh, they're not the books. usual yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm know, sure I can see. well i'll start with this one freezing have you have you had surely you've talked about red notice before on this podcast no i don't think so oh i'm surprised you haven't heard of this one yet or mm. if you haven't talked about red notice before because it no. is <laughs> one of the it's honestly like it's like jason Bourne meets finance wow and it's a true story well hey um, what's it say on the cover what's that a true this is a true story of, of russian money laundering murder and surviving vladimir putin's wrath wow <laughs> so this is the second one to the first book called red notice um which is about it's all written by bill browder he's also really good to follow on twitter mm-hmm. um if you want to keep up keeping up with russian sanctions and putin and the war in ukraine it's very very relevant to what's going on right now but basically he was a hedge fund manager in the world's largest hedge fund man- russian hedge fund manager and became was eventually persecuted by Putin had to escape and his lawyer was murdered in prison by Putin's cronies. He became a a human rights activist and then basically through that activism pushed for what I think it's the I'm going to pronounce the name wrong Majinsky Act, Mm -hmm. which is the the Russian sanctions on the the sanctions in the US on Russian oligarchs. Mm. And so it was really about using finance to punish Putin and his oligarchs. But really hurt him where it hurts, which is yeah. not his money. Yeah. Because, you know, he was essentially, all these Russian oligarchs were essentially hiding all their wealth in Western nations primarily through yeah. Western banking systems. And so um, through his activism, he's enact, helped enact the Medinsky Act in the US, but also in all over the world. And he was in Australia not that long ago, also pushing for us to take upon these laws, these sanction laws as well. Fascinating read. As I said, it reads the Red Notice and then Freezing Orders, the more modern one, and it really relevant to what's going on in the Ukraine mm. right mm. now. Jason Bourne. Yeah. <laughs> and they're making a film about it. Yeah. And the, I think the Jason Bourne director is also making a film about it. Oh, okay. So it is really like Jason Bourne makes finance. Love it. And then I've got these two, which are like the opposites of each other. So I've got The World of Three Zeros by Muhammad Yunus. And then I've got Barbarians at the Gate, The Fall of R.J.R. Nabisco. Mm-hmm. So this is like... Uh, the fo- uh, Barbarians at the Gate is like a classic finance book. It's about the fall of R.J.R. Nabisco, which was a large American conglomerate. It's essentially like peak Wall Street greed mm, mm. and how that fell, that that caused, and, and like basically how this enormous company fell thanks to peak Wall Street greed. Can you get a bit? Great. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And then this one here, The World of Three Zeros by Muhammad Yunus is, so Muhammad Yunus is a um, Bangladeshi man who, 
won a Nobel Peace Prize in 2006, and he's talked all about how finance can change the world for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, The world of three zeros, he refers to how microfinance particularly, he says the new economics of zero poverty, zero unemployment, and zero carbon emissions. So he was kind of the the first creator of microfinance or micro lending. Yep, yeah. Which happens a lot in uh, developing nations, isn't it? Where small, very, very small... Um, projects are financed at, at a village level. Village level stuff. And so he mm. created what's called the Grameen Bank, mm-hmm. which was a bank that basically did these tiny micro loans. So even like, you know, lending a few dollars. So they one example he gives is how in one specific area, there was a lot of families, young children were having problems with their eyesight. They weren't getting enough. I think it's vitamin A. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of the exact vitamin, but one of the vitamins. Um, and so he was lending money very small amount of money so they could buy for to buy tomato seeds so then these families would start growing tomatoes in mm-hmm. their in their in their garden in their backyard like small tomato plants they'd sell some of the tomatoes to make some money and then they'd also feed their kids these tomatoes and that actually really helped improve the eyesight of these children um, <laughs> and provided money for them and how lucky families. are we in the west eh? i know right yeah. but like to think that that you know uh, what I really like about this is that it it it's really talks about how capitalism can be used for good, and um, it's a fascinating book. So, mm. and it's, it's a pretty easy read as well. Um, so, definitely recommend this to the world of, the world of three zeros by Mahatma. Okay, Yunus. well, I'll put that in the episode notes, all the books and yeah. uh, some links. <laughs> Jody, it's been great chatting with you. Good luck in Milan. Thank you. I'll give you one Italian word, which is very useful in clothing stores. Proviamo. Proviamo. What Proviamo. does that mean? Oh, it's just whenever you're in a clothing store, the sales assistant will say, Proviamo. Let's try it. Let's try it. Okay. I yeah. like that. Proviamo. We will, I, okay. So I've learned what I've learned from Italian. The iamo at the end means mm-hmm. we. So we'll, we'll, let's try it together. Like it's, yeah, yeah, together. We'll, we'll try it mm-hmm. together. Um, it's so. Um, Ci vediamo, ragazza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's. A, um, but I have to say, my Italian's still very basic. So yeah. it sounds like you're ahead of me there. Oh, not very far. <laughs> Only a tiny bit. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, in terms of like what it's Italy and what's happening next, you know, I don't even know. Like, um, I obviously look for a new job while I'm over there. I don't mm-hmm. know. Obviously, I love talking business B2C, like talking to individual investors. I don't know how I'm going to do that in Italy because I don't speak Italian. So... I'm not sure. I'll probably get more of it in... I'm sure they can organise an Italian front for you. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure whatever happens, it's going to be an adventure. Jodie, thanks very much. Thank you. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.